I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. sure was real what if you were unable to wake from that dream how would you know the difference between the dream world and the real world what is happening to me the answer is out there neo it's the question that drives us what is the matrix hello and welcome to rewatchability we are a podcast on the Entertainment One Podcast Network. I'm Robert Larone. With me, as always, is... J.M. McNabb. And we are going to talk about a huge movie, a, a very beloved movie that has a, uh, a sequel coming out very soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before we get into that, we should thank our Patreons. Those are the people who give us a few dollars every month to help us keep the podcast running, this simulation of life running. <laughs> Yeah, it's it takes a lot of like human beings and gelatinous pods to power our laptops to record this show. So thank you. <laughs> it's at least one. Yeah, it's, it's Blaine. It's Blaine. Blaine. <laughs> that's where that's, that's where, where he's he been. Went. Yeah. Yeah, and you know we love you, Patreons. Now we have paused the Patreon for the month of uh, whichever month this is, December, because we haven't been able to record uh, episodes most of the month. But well, we're I back, think baby. I think it's it's uh, it's it. It was on for December and it's paused now going forward. So yeah, we we had a, a bit of an interruption in terms of recording. I was able to do one last week with our friend Sina Romani. If you haven't checked that out, it's uh, we had a really good conversation about a Christmas Carol. But man, it's been hectic. It's been crazy. Yeah, you've been busy with school. I've been busy with my children bringing home illnesses from daycare and school. <laughs> And uh, on top of that, like the pandemic is going nuts again here where we are. So, uh, yeah, it's just been nuts. But I am glad we were able to do a few this month anyway. And yeah, absolutely. We did a Christmas one last week. We were going to do another Christmas one. I mean, that was the plan. Mm-hmm. But you and I were talking and we've pretty much run out of Christmas movies. We've done them all. Like, unless we want to, like, dip into, like, you know... Hallmark movies starring Rob no. Lowe and, you know, Jenny Garth or something. Yeah. <laughs> but we've done a lot of the big ones. There are a lot of, like, you know, nostalgic ones for people our age. Yeah. I mean, there might be a few here and there that we can think of. But, uh, yeah, for the most part, I don't know. What about the Santa Claus, that Dudley Moore one with John Lithgow? Oh, Santa Claus the movie? Yeah. You know, I almost suggested that, but then I thought, I don't want to watch that movie again. <laughs> <laughs> 
That was one that was like always at Christmas time. That was always on like the local Fox affiliate, uh, like right. sun, Sunday afternoons. They always just put like the shittiest Christmas movies. It was either that or Ernest Saves Christmas. It was just like the cheapest Christmas movies they could they could get their hands on. Yeah. Well, so I mean, in our defense, I I'm going to argue that the movie that we're talking about this week is in a way. A Christmas movie, if you think about it, right? You know, yeah, I, mean, well, I don't, we, I don't, I, I don't yeah. have to spell it out to you guys, do I? I mean, we're talking about the Matrix. Yes, the Matrix Four happens to be coming out soon. I think that it's sort of doing a preview premiere thing in Toronto right now. I think Keanu Reeves is in the city promoing that movie as we speak. I just literally, literally the moment before we started recording, I was on Twitter and saw someone sharing a video of Keanu coming out <laughs> at the uh, the premiere of, of The Matrix Resurrections. Yeah. Yeah, because that's back, why baby. I said to you, I was like, I kind of want to watch The Matrix again because I want to see the new movie, but it's not a Christmas movie. And then you reminded me that it's basically about computer Jesus. Yeah. You know who else was resurrected? The Lord. <laughs> well, also, like, yeah, it is it is very unsubtle in this movie. Like, I think the first time oh we God. meet his character, like, one of the characters was like, Jesus hey, Christ. I mean, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, they literally, they he say does. it. They're like, Jesus. And, but then he's like, look at you. Or something like that. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's extremely it's, unsubtle. Yeah. And not to mention, yeah, you know, a, his love interest literally being named Trinity. It's, it, it, this is not a subtle movie, but no. The Matrix is what we're talking about. It, yeah. I think I might watch the other two before the new one, too, because I barely remember those. Okay. I mean, are you going to, are you stoked for Matrix Resurrections? I mean, we haven't got into this. Maybe we should go back and talk okay. about our experiences. Why don't you why don't you start us off with your experience of the first Matrix movie, Little JM uh, <laughs> in front of the little. movie screen? I was, well, I was like 14 or 15, I can't remember, but yeah, this is another 1999 movie. I know I said when we did Magnolia that I I typically don't like doing 99 movies cuz they're so right. uh discussed, you know, in podcasts and and culture in general, but I really wanted to – how can we not talk about it? It was like a seminal movie for our generation and yeah. uh, and and the the new ones coming out. Uh, but I saw it opening night. There was – I don't know if I've talked about this before, but there was a movie theater pretty much across the street from my high school that uh, wow. that was built in grade nine. So literally like when I started school, this movie theater went in. So I, I remember going, I don't remember there being, there probably was like a fair bit of hype about it. Like there was advertising and stuff, but like, I don't remember there being that, like it, it wasn't even released in the summertime, I don't think, was it? I don't know. Like, I just remember it being like, yeah, this looks cool. Let's go see it. And I remember, <laughs> I remember going and because like I said, the theater is across from the high school. So I, I think I went after school, you know, it was probably like you know, six o'clock or five o'clock or something. And the whole theater was just filled with all of the nerds that went to my school. <laughs> it was just like they had taken glasses all... as far as the eye can see. Yeah. Oh, totally. If they it can was... see. 
It was just if they'd taken all of the kids that were sitting in the cafeteria at lunchtime, just, you know, playing magic cards and stuff. Like if they just it was just like they transplanted the cafeteria into the movie theater. It was it was not even like I knew them all. Like some of them were just like, oh, I've seen that guy walking around. He's right. He's he's a big nerd. And of course, (laughs) you know, and there I am. There you were. Yeah. My friends. But yeah. So I don't even remember being like that excited for it. And I really liked it, I think. But again, it wasn't like a huge movie for me. I mean, it's it's hard to even like totally remember because it was so parodied right. after that. And like not even just like, you know, in the years afterwards. I mean, like immediately, mm-hmm. it immediately, you know, hit the zeitgeist and and spawned all of these parodies and imitations and jokes and it just became uh, immediately ubiquitous in the culture and so it is like hard to separate from like I'm I'm racking my brain trying to remember how I actually like thought of it as a movie at the time like I know I enjoyed it because I like I bought it on VHS when it came out and I you know I saw it once or twice but I haven't returned to it in you know, easily mm. 15 years, 20 years, maybe even. Um, and Did I saw you think th- that's because of the sort of uh, reaction to the second and third movies, like, yeah, those not being so successful, sort of like, you know, it seemed to like sort of sully the whole franchise in a way. I think you're probably right. Yeah. Like, I, I do remember being more excited for the second one and going to see it. And that one I've never revisited uh i so i'm gonna watch that again this week i think but like i remember going to see that in the theater and not hating it because it a lot of stuff happens in it but also being you know like a lot of people you know uh kind of perplexed by certain things and i mean like straight up confused about a lot of the like you know mythological story points that happened in that movie but also like obviously like the crazy rave at the beginning was unexpected for you know (laughs) how 17 year old jm or whoever it was (laughs) but you know i think i i will be looking at that movie certainly a lot differently because you know i i just uh i love movies that are like big swings you know and i i think like the the post matrix Wachowski movies are all like big swings. You know what I mean? Like speed racer. I love speed racer. Absolutely adore speed racer. What was it? Cloud Atlas. Not a movie I necessarily liked, but like I kind of admire it for taking the chances it did. Like they made a movie that like was, was widely criticized for being super racist and they were trying to like fix racism, you know, like (laughs) they were trying to do this like universal, like message about how we're all deep down connected. Yeah. And, and they ended up like doing, making some really offensive, like racialized prosthetics. Big swing. Well, yeah, no, but I, I do kind of like, None of their movies or TV shows have been boring, I don't think, right. with the possible exception of the third Matrix movie. Like, I think, mm. I think, I and I don't know enough about the making of this franchise, and I know a lot of people do. Like, this podcast is, I didn't do a ton of research. I'm mainly going to be talking about, like, my personal experience with this movie, as opposed to, like, you know, I, there's so much to talk about tangentially with, uh, with the sort of universe that spawned. But uh, I, I think, like, the sense that I got, certainly from just watching the movies, was they had this hit movie. They utilized its success to do 
a huge second one. Like it's it's so you know complex and 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 daring, and there's that big chase scene at the end, and then it feels by like the time the third one comes around that everyone just ran out of gas. Like, like it seemed like maybe they wanted to move on again. I don't know if that's true, but, uh, but that's what it felt like. I know I, that was the first one I didn't see in the theater. I I think I rented it when it came out because I, yeah, not like, I wasn't even, I was like angry. That's a big snub for you. It, it, well, it wasn't even, I wasn't like angry or I, you know, I didn't even dislike the second one that much. It was just like, I, I, I it felt like we'd all kind of moved past right. that. And, and like I said, it was so big that it was hard to like, uh, yeah, to, to make those ideas like novel again. Um, right. Because, because we'd all experienced so much of the matrix in just those few years. Um, Sorry, I've been talking for a long time. What about you? When did you see it? Uh, Yeah, I didn't see it until a few years after it came out. I have to admit that I was not a big fan of The Matrix when it came out. Uh, You know, I saw it, I think, on the movie network. But by that time, it was already ubiquitous. It was already everywhere. And yeah, like like you said, it was parodied by everything. Also, it influenced everything. Like all of a sudden, like bullet time and slow motion and wire work and kung fu was showing up in like all sorts of places. And also, like, you know, it also brought like the Matrix aesthetic into the world. Like everybody was wearing like, you know, long PVC trench coats and, you know, with big pants, like techno pants. It was techno <laughs> everywhere, you know. And it wasn't, it just wasn't my scene i didn't i didn't relate to it i you know i liked computers i i think at that point you know i was sort of over keanu reeves he had become like a bit of a joke as a performer because he hadn't he hadn't sort of found the stride that he's found now where you know he's lovable he plays himself he kicks a lot of ass and you know he's a good guy so you you like him anyway but at that point he'd done a lot of like bad blockbuster movies that didn't connect some that did like speed but i don't know this movie it didn't really speak to me now after you know a long time after the sequels came out i did give it another chance and sort of re-explored it and watched it and thought yeah yeah this is this is okay and i also i remember reading a lot about it in grad school because it's one of those things that people love to write about in grad school because it's a lot easier to uh, write about you know a movie than it is to read some more boring philosophy or whatever but <laughs> uh so yeah I, you know i sort of came to understand that it is like you know a, a deep and rich movie and a movie that sort of does a lot of really interesting and cool things, even though there's a lot of it that I still find kind of annoying. I feel like it's just one of those things where it was like so big. It's like, it's like, it's like one of those bands that's so big. Their fans like just annoy the hell out of you. Like a, like a, a U2 or a Dave Matthews band or something like that. I don't know why those two came to mind, but, uh, so yeah, I I mean, I I do think with the new one, like I'm more excited for it just because, well, for one thing, it's just Lana making it and Mm -hmm. it just feels like to return to it after all this time. Like, I think she probably has, you know, like must have like a passion for this take because, and judging from the trailer, like it's very intriguing. Like it's very mysterious. Like, like I said before, with the third one, it felt like it felt perfunctory. It felt like they 
were obligated to make a trilogy and needed to wrap it right. up. Whereas this feels like if we're coming back to it all these years later, it, it feels a little more um, deliberate or uh, or exciting. Like I, I'm I'm excited for the new movie to be honest. Okay, okay, but yeah, uh, I but don't, like you, I don't it's know. not my it's not my aesthetic necessarily. Like the whole yeah, the whole thing. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, we'll talk about it as we get into the movie. But it was and also like that time. Oh, there's so much to talk about because like I remember being in school and kids dressing like that because yeah. of the Matrix, and then yeah. like a couple of months later, Columbine happening. Yeah, and then it being like. No like trench I, coats. I specifically remember there was one kid that wore like the long trench coat, the black trench coat and the sunglasses. Obviously a huge Matrix fan. And I remember like the morning that we got to school and Columbine had happened. He came in in the same outfit and like one of the kids in the class turned to him and just went, really? <laughs> like, <laughs> really? Today you're going to. And uh, yeah. And I, you know, I. And I think I don't even totally remember because I was a kid, but like there was some controversy about that. Maybe we'll get into that more later. But like, uh, yeah, weird time. It stuff, was a crazy time. Stuff I hadn't thought about until until just now when I was watching the movie. <laughs> Someday somebody's going to be looking back at these times and saying that, uh, presumably talking about some other movie. I don't know. Right. Maybe the Matrix Four. Yeah. <laughs> everybody started wearing black trench coats again. <laughs> They're back. Nobody leaves their house, but everybody's wearing these black trench coats. We found out black trench coats work better than face masks. <laughs> <laughs> well, then there'd be those people who don't, uh, who are anti-black trench coat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I hate those people. Uh, all right. Well, do you want to get into the rundown for the Matrix? Yeah, I will. So it starts with we sort of overhear a bit of surveillance. There are these two people, these voices talking about watching this person and, you know, they're questioning whether he is the one or whether this guy Morpheus is right about something like this. And then we see these cops sort of burst into this building and they sort of give chase to Carrie Ann Moss, who is, you know, she like escapes and she's like jumping through the over the rooftops and doing all that sort of stuff. And it's, you know, it's really impressive. It's like a, you know, very exciting uh, start to the movie. And uh, yeah, all of that happens. Cut to Keanu Reeves. He is uh, sleeping at his computer desk. We've all been there. Uh, he, he is a programmer and a hacker, I guess. But he's really burning, you know, the candle at both ends because he's, uh, you know, yeah, by by night, he's selling programs to, like, sketchy people, and by day, he goes into his programmer job and gets yelled at. But Yeah, what were, what were those? Because he's selling, like, these, like, mini-disc things that, like, really did not take off. Like, <laughs> Yeah. I remember... I, this is another... But the sound quality was amazing. <laughs> yeah. I, I, this is going to be just, like, an episode full of mostly personal anecdotes, but I remember going with uh, my friend's to like a computer convention because his dad was like i guess his dad worked in computers or something it had like a booth it was at like the convention mm. center so we wandered around it got to it was fun because they, they had like before virtua boy came out like the nintendo right. thing they had the virtua boy there and i got to uh Ooh. test it out and it was not good did you hurt your neck no it was okay 
but uh they uh i remember one guy had like those like mini it's like it's like a cd a tiny cd but yeah. in like a disc thing yeah and i remember the guy showing me them and like this is gonna like change the world like this is the next <laughs> huge thing it did oh okay yeah <laughs> uh but yeah, what, what, so what is he selling those guys? Is it just like bootlegs of Carmen San Diego, or what? Probably. What is he giving yeah, those I don't know. It's some sort of. Uh, it could be anything, but I mean, it's 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 not legal, um, which is you know I think gives motivation to why he's like running from the authorities in the real world uh, right. when they come after him. But he something weird happens to him. He his computer starts to talk to him. I mean, it starts typing things like you know bloop 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 bloop, and it tells him to wake up. And then it tells him a whole bunch of other crazy shit and to follow the white rabbit, which, I mean, to me, that says take LSD, right? But uh, he doesn't do that. It means stock gray slick. (laughs) But yeah, that was also like, uh, well, I guess they knew it was going to happen because it was like in the Matrix. But it's like he follows the the people that are buying Carmen San Diego off of him. And one of them has a tattoo with a rabbit. But if she hadn't turned just like that to kind of show off her tattoo, he wouldn't have known to go with them to this nightclub. I mean, they could have just like emailed him the address of the, uh, the nightclub. Send a Facebook invite. Yeah. That's what I would do. (laughs) You ever have that feeling where you're not sure if you're awake or still dreaming? Mm, All the time. It's called mescaline. It's the only way to fly. Look, it just sounds to me like, you know, you need to unplug, man. You know, get some more on R. Hey, what do you think, sure? Should we take him with us? Definitely. Uh, I can't. I have uh, work tomorrow. Come on. It'll be fun. I promise. But I don't, you know, the one thing about this movie is I don't understand how computers work in the Matrix. Like, why, why is all the text green? Like... That's not a thing in real life. Well, it's not real life. It's the Matrix. What I don't understand is, I mean, okay, we're getting to, you know, we're going to find out that he's in the Matrix. He's in the Matrix. This is all a computer simulation. Yeah. Uh, But it's a computer simulation where, like, all of these hackers who are so good at computers that they've, you know, uh, are able to, like, enter and exit the Matrix via, like, landlines. Okay, for one thing... My first thought was, why didn't the machines just set it in 2021? Because there are no landlines anywhere, so they wouldn't be able to get in and out of the Matrix. And then I thought, wait, that's stupid. Why didn't they create a fantasy world where it's like the Middle Ages? Like, I have any computers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Damn. There's really no reason to have it set in 1999. That's, that's just inviting trouble. Maybe they like the challenge, you know? It's oh, it's one okay. of those, like, oppositional forces things. Like, you know, the computers can't live without the humans. The humans can't live without the computers. Like, do they really even need to be, like, sucking the energy out of these people? That can't be, like, a viable, renewable resource, right? No, it's not. In fact, I think I wrote something about it once and looked into it, and it was, like, the amount of energy a human would supply it was something like a couple of double a batteries or something uh i don't remember exactly what it was but the point was that the amount of energy you could extract from 
a whole bunch of human bodies would be far less than like the power you would need to just run the matrix alone. <laughs> yeah. So it seems like this is more of like a hobby farm than like a sustainable growing operation. Yeah. Or at least like, I mean, if all of these people are being born into the matrix, like make the graphics worse, like have it be like a Nintendo 64 <laughs> game or something like they don't know the difference. Yeah. Yeah. They just think that's what it's like. It's yeah. all 2D. <laughs> you got to have a talk with these computers, man. They have <laughs> no good ideas. It needs a human touch to like really, uh, really make it cruel and unusual. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, he eventually is given the choice by Morpheus of whether or not to go back into reality or or, jo- reality, or join the alt right. <laughs> that's <Yeah>. right. <laughs> yeah, I mean. That, I mean, that's another way that this movie has influenced uh, reality and not in a good way is the, the whole red pill thing, which is so weird and confusing why why those people would latch on to that as a metaphor. Yeah. But, uh, Did you see that, like, Twitter exchange where it was, I can't remember, it was like Ivanka Trump or someone, someone was like, I've been red pilled. And someone else was like, me too. And then Lana Wachowski text, uh, commented and was like, fuck you. <laughs> I did see that. That was that was good. It was pretty great. It was pretty great. Yeah, but he decides that he wants to experience reality as it really is, and so he takes the blue red pill, blue pill, whichever one he oh, takes. The red one. Yeah, that's the one that you know makes him see things, and uh, makes that's the one that. They're going to bring him out. I'm not even sure what the pill is. I guess they say, oh, yeah, the pill is so that they can trace him and find his body. Right, right. It's a laxative. uh, (laughs) We just go to the body with the (laughs) the diarrhea. Yeah. (laughs) This one's dripping. (laughs) That's disgusting. Yeah, so they find him. He's he's in the naked pod. He... uh... I mean, this part's crazy. I mean, this part's, like, one of my favorite, like, images from the movie, even though, like, it does seem like they probably owe H.R. Geiger some money for, like, those black powder-painted uh, cords and everything like that. That's one of right. his things. But, yeah. uh, I mean, it's such, like, a crazy, yeah, such, like, a crazy thought, you know, just to, like, think of, like, yeah, like, all those people in all those pods and just, like, endless s- skyscrapers full of them. So when, if like, okay. But that kind of feels like what it's like now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I thought it looked comfy. I... Honestly, like, if we're going into another wave, I think it's maybe time to just ask for some Matrix, you know? Like, if the computers can just maybe make us a Matrix without COVID-19, I think that's maybe a good idea. Okay, yeah. Oh, but Okay, so like, in the Matrix, if a couple, like, has sex and then they have a baby... Do the robots grow them one of those babies so the baby is real and aging in real time? Or is the, is, is the baby, like, ever a part of the simulation? You know what I mean? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, but, I mean, do, do the does the Matrix have to, like, play matchmaker between people to, like, give uh, lives to all of these other, like, babies that they're plugging in? Right, that's, what, like, it just seems like a lot of work. yeah. For these robots. I feel bad for the robots, which I don't think is what you're supposed to take away from this movie. It's probably all they have to do. I mean, what is the point? I mean, what do you do when you're a robot and you've conquered humanity? Like, what what purpose do you have? Like, what meaning do you find out of existence? Yeah, I do. I do think that they are supposed to be somewhat 
sympathetic. Like I remember the Animatrix, which I don't really want to get into too much because uh, I haven't watched that in 20 years either. But I've watched some of it. And like (laughs) there is like an extended flashback that shows you like the sort of origin of the human robot war. And it it makes it clear that the robots were very nice and (laughs) and humans were awful. I find that hard to believe. I mean, they do say in this movie, like... Lawrence Fishburne's like, well, we don't know exactly what happened, but we know we know that the humans nuked the sun. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like they scoured the sky or something. I'm not really clear what that what they happened. They blew with up that. the sun, Rob. No, that's not that's not a thing that it anybody is. can do. It, How that, I don't know, but they he says that that's what they did because they the robots were solar powered, so they thought if they blew up the sun, they'd be able to cut off their power right well they would all freeze to, i mean if there was no sun wouldn't everything instantly yeah. turn into ice it was a bad plan <laughs> <laughs> fucking humans yeah so now he's yeah he's now he's on lawrence fishburne's ship they're all wearing like tattered sweaters <laughs> yeah it's very like uh it's very like the gap uh, yeah, that's it. Three years ago, that's one of the few buildings that wasn't destroyed. Just like a lone, <laughs> like old navy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not even the robots wanted it. No, but uh, yeah, and the, yeah, the whole they're all just wearing there. like tattered sweaters and like tattered like Super Mario T-shirts. <laughs> we have clothes that isn't ripped. <laughs> no, man, this is the post-apocalyptic wasteland. Yeah, but they have all the other guys there. I mean, first of all. Lawrence Fishburne watching this again is amazing. Yeah. I mean, he is like, he's crazy good. Like, his presence is so intense. And uh, I was like, I mean, he's great in everything, but uh, yeah, he was fantastic. He's he's one of those guys, I know it's a cliche, but he could read the phone book and you'd be like, wow, that sounds like The Matrix. Yeah. Because he's Lawrence not in Fishburne. the new Matrix movie. I know. Yeah. That's too bad. And he's, he seems like. I don't know if you saw, I don't know if it was a tweet or whatever, but he, he put out a little statement or said something about it. And it was like, oh, they did not, they did not deem to call Lawrence Fishburne this time. I guess perhaps this will spur him to write that next play. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I I love Lawrence Fishburne, man. Uh, I wish I had like run into him when he was in Toronto filming Hannibal for all those years. I saw the back of his head. Really? Mm-hmm. And it was magnificent. <laughs> yeah, no, he's so good. Uh, and yeah, I I love that, like, he also, like, he plays more than I think anyone else in the movie. Like, he gets these kind of two notes to play where, like, when we meet him as Morpheus in The Matrix, like he's like the coolest guy you know he's got the sunglasses with no arms that i don't mm-hmm. totally understand how they stay on his head i think uh, they pinch his nose which just as someone who has glasses that fall off my head even with the arms like just <laughs> made me nervous that they were gonna fall off all the time but so he's got this you know i mean he's almost you know like a god or something like he's mm-hmm. got all the answers he's super cool he's otherworldly and then when we meet him in the nebuchadnezzar because everything is named after something biblical in this movie. <laughs> Just in case you don't get it. Yeah. We're on our way to Zion. <laughs> <laughs> but when we meet him there, like, it's like a subtle change. He's still obviously the same guy, but like robbed of the fashion and everything else. And also he has this like 
desperation about, you know, believing in Neo when no one else does. Like, I don't know. Like, he, he almost... He almost does nothing different, but it, it feels different when we meet him in the real world. You know what I mean? Yeah. I can't go back, can I? No. But if you could, would you really want to? I feel I owe you an apology. We have a rule. We never free a mind once it's reached a certain age. It's dangerous. The mind has trouble letting go. I've seen it before, and I'm sorry. I did what I did because I had to. So there's like, a, you know, there's a whole motley crew of people with a whole bunch of weird names. There's a guy named Mouse. There's a Tank and Dozer and uh, Switch and uh, yeah. all of them. Skip, Skippy. Skippy and, and uh... Blue and... Uh, uh, Andy, I think, is there as well. Yeah. But uh... Boner, uh, <laughs> the, the character from Growing Pains, he was there. Yeah, and this is where Keanu Reeves sort of, you know, he has to get used to, first of all, like being alive in the real world. Like his muscles have atrophied and they have to like do a bunch of uh, things to make him better. He can't see very well or, I mean, his eyes hurt. Um, but also this is where they teach him all of his karate shit, like they uh, hook him up to the machine and they just, they just download all of these programs into him. Like, you wouldn't download a car, but you would download a jiu-jitsu lesson. It's stealing. <laughs> okay, first of all, it's kung fu. He, that's a very famous line. Okay, well, um, he, he learns all of them. It's, you know. He also learns uh, uh, drunken boxing, which I think is a reference to the uh, fight choreographer. Right, who did Drunken Master, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, no, uh this I I did I have to say rewatching it now I got a little bored yeah in this this part yeah all the stuff on the ship I could have done without I mean I guess it's important but it's it's weird but you know I think it's sort of like a lot of this movie is very video gamey obviously I mean you know um, it's influenced by uh, I think video games and it feels very much like a video game and it takes place in computers and you know this whole part is very much like uh, you know level one like you know learning the skills like getting your ass kicked it's like the demo portion of like a video game so yeah I mean it's boring but um, it also feels <laughs> like you know like uh, an essential part of the journey sure yeah I yeah and this is also um, where we get like a, a lot of the exposition about the matrix as well though it's like you know just like people like sitting around the breakfast table being like Yo, the humans fought the Matrix, and uh, we lost, and this is why we're here, and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and then we, when it really kind of like starts to get more exciting is when we find out that Joe Pantoliano, who plays uh, Scooby. <laughs> Cypher. 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 Um, yeah. He uh, is, is going to betray everybody. Believe it or uh, not, because Joey he Pants likes... is playing a weasel. <laughs> It's it, but it's his love of uh, steak. He he misses steak. <laughs> They're all eating like this gruel, this like protein, protein uh, supplement. Yeah, uh, I mean, honestly, you could sell that for like fifteen dollars a bowl on Queen West. You know, that's true. Yeah, if you said it was organic craft gruel, yeah, um, 
but yeah, they're all eating uh, the stuff. But Joey Pantoliano wants some steak. He yeah. He's a fancy restaurant with Hugo Weaving, who we haven't talked about, as uh, Agent Smith. Yeah, famously. I mean, this is sort of his breakout role was uh, Agent Smith, for sure. Um, he's yeah. so good. He's terrific in this movie. Absolutely. Yeah, he's he's amazing. Yeah, Joey Pants, he 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 would rather have the bliss of the Matrix, uh, the the world where things, you know, f- are fake but feel real than the Matrix which uh, is real but sucks. Oh wait, the non-Matrix. I don't know what to call the world outside of the Matrix. Uh yeah, Sweaterville. <laughs> uh, well, okay, what sorry, just a quick detour. What which would you do? Would you so which pill would you take? Uh, political connotations aside, uh, would you <laughs> want the the ignorance is bliss, steaks in a fancy restaurant's uh, cipher path, or would you rather live in the real world with all of its hardships, knowing knowing that it's genuine? Well, I mean, I'd like to think that I would take the red pill and uh, be aware of the world in its genuine form. They asked this question to Lily and Lana Wachowski, and they both said that they would take the blue pill and stay in the uh, in the world of uh, in the ignorant world of dreams. But really, yeah, I mean, honestly. I think if it came down to it, I might just take the easy way out, you know? Just hook me up to that machine, baby, and give me <laughs> give me that steak, you know? Cause you I need know, comfort. Well, you know what's gross about that is that they do say in the explanation part that, like, when you're eating food in the Matrix, it might taste like steak, but it's actually, like, the, like, repurposed dead yeah. bodies of the other people uh, being fed to you. So that, I mean, yeah, knowing that. That's actually a bonus for me. Oh, okay. That's... <laughs> Okay, we're just going to move right past Soil that. and greed. <laughs> but, you know, I was thinking about it, and, and like, maybe this is uh, revealing about about me, but, like, I was just thinking about, like, all the stuff you could, like, wa- like all the contents, not, not content, but, like, arts and literature and film and all, like, presumably, if this is an accurate representation of the year 1999, like... They would have all of the movies up they until 1999. Matrix. Yeah, but they would have, you know, like all of the books and all of the records. And you know what I mean? Like they are in a way, I again, I hate to keep defending the robots here, but like they, they are like these cultural preservationists yeah. who, who have kind of like They're saved. like the Library of Congress. <laughs> yeah, they have like preserved uh, this, you know, uh, humanity's greatest achievements. After humanity I mean, destroyed it. Yeah. Meanwhile, you know, you go in the Nebuchadnezzar and there's not a book. I doubt there's a magazine. Like, no. what, what are you supposed to do? They're just I listening mean, I to guess techno all day. You just have, it's just raves every day. It's just erotic raves. <laughs> and and again, like, if I have to choose, honestly, I probably have to go, you know, I would rather, you know, read a nice book from time to time. Yeah. But I think, you know... What this movie is saying allegorically, I mean, the choice that you make, it, you make that choice every day in life, you know, whether to be ignorant of, you know, the way that the world is and with all of its miseries and how it's bad in places, uh, and or we can ignore it, we can take the blue pill and sort of, you know, 
live in a world of of television, just watch, you know, just escapism. I mean, that's the sort of choice that uh, we can make every day. I mean, and to some extent, we probably take both pills, you know? Yeah, totally. I mean, I think also, like, especially with, you know, throughout the pandemic, like, that's been something people have been modulating even more, like, quickly than before. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, there there are days where I just feel like I can't read the news today. Yeah. You know, because it's just, and yeah, and I'll watch, you know. Another pointless remake. Yeah. No, no, but, it, you know, the news <laughs> no, is so I... awful. I'd rather, like, watch yeah. an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation than, you know, uh, find out something important. You know what I mean? But, uh, yeah, so I think that you're right. That's something we have to deal with on a daily basis. Yeah. But so, um, And yeah. some days I put on my Ray-Bans and... <laughs> Run around looking for payphones that are still left. Yeah. So Joey Pants betrays them. Oh, yeah. And this scene where Joey Pants calls uh, Carrie Ann Moss and he's like, you know, giving a creepy monologue while he's murdering all of her friends by uh, pulling out the uh, thing while they're in the Matrix. And as you know, if you die in the Matrix, you die in real life. Just like if you die in podcasting, you die in real life. Is that a thing? Oh, shit. (laughs) But... uh, uh, yeah, this scene, I mean, I also, like, this scene really uh, gets me every time, too. Like, especially, like, uh, when Switch dies, you know, as she's, like, looking over the body of uh, her fallen comrade. It's really, uh, it's really terrible. But you're out, Cypher. You can't go back. Oh, no, that's what you think. You're going to reinsert my body. I go back to sleep, and when I wake up, I won't remember a goddamn thing. By the way, if you have anything terribly important to say to Switch... I suggest you say it now. Oh, no, please don't. Not like this. Not like this. Too late. God damn you, Cypher! Don't hate me, Trinity. I'm just a messenger. And Joey Pants, I mean, god damn you, Joey. Why are you always, why are you always such a weasel? But uh, he is, I mean, he is, like, great. He he was, like, such a like, essential 90s uh, uh, actor, you know? Um, yeah, he's, you know, he's good. Yeah, he's he's really good in this. Um, yeah, and so, the, yeah, they capture Morpheus. Oh, they go to see the Oracle, too, who says that uh, Neo is not computer Jesus. Yeah, though she also says that the person who know, who is the one will know that they're the one, you know, and nobody can tell them whether they're the one or not. So I don't know if that's like, if that leaves a little wiggle room. Yeah. And, you know, it is weird looking back, and I'm sure this has been talked about a lot before, as, like I said, people have uh, unpacked the year 1999 in movies so often. But one thing I certainly didn't think about at the time that, uh, I did now is how similar Morpheus's story is to uh, the Phantom Menace, which also Whoa. which came out around the same time, because they're both about you know these guys saying that they think they found the chosen one and mm-hmm. everyone around them being skeptical, mm-hmm. and like there's even a part you know like the whole thing in uh, Phantom Menace is the, they say the kid is too old. Right. And, uh, they even say that Keanu is like the old, like he's past the point where they would normally bring someone out of the Matrix. Yeah. Um, do they ever say in the movie why, like, what was it about Neo that made Morpheus think that he was computer Jesus? No. 
Yeah, they don't really explain that. They're just like, oh, we think he's the reincarnation of the guy who first realized that they were in a matrix or something like that. Um, I think we're just supposed to take it on faith, maybe, you know, because yeah. like that's such a big part of this movie is like believing in, I mean, for Neo, it's believing in himself as like the one um, or like his own, like, you know, willpower or whatever. And for everybody else is believing that uh, he's the one. You know, and to the point where, like, Morpheus sacrifices himself to let uh, Neo escape, and that's why he gets captured. But, of course, Neo has to go back and uh, save him, and, of course, Trinity is going to go with him. uh, Because we find out later that uh, she knows that he's the one because the Oracle told her that she would be in love with the one. Like, she would be, like, he's the one, like, you know, for her, you know, like, the one. Mm -hmm. It's like a, nice. it's like a big old, big old romantic comedy thing or something. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I mean, like I gotta say this. Yeah, this whole second half of the movie or so is is very exciting. Um, oh yeah, I I think I I watched it kind of late at night and uh, with my wife and we were I I think getting to the point where in the training stuff where it was like maybe you know we'll turn it off and watch the rest later. And at uh, the end, you were like, let's go to a rave. (laughs) Let's find the Zion place. This (laughs) seems lit. Uh, No, we were like, uh, yeah, I think we were kind of like, oh, maybe we'll turn it off. And uh, but no, as soon as like all of that started happening, it just is so exciting. And uh, there's so much forward momentum. And uh, we couldn't turn it off. It It was too riveting. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of really good stuff in the uh, in the second, like action stuff in the in the last bit. I mean, it all sort of resolves through the uh, through the action. There's like the big fight with Agent Smith, and you know, eventually Neo finds out that, or he, I guess he wills himself to be able to stop the bullets that uh, you know Agent Smith is shooting at him, and sort of realizes his power. He does like the big bullet time thing, and uh, then he sort of kills Agent Smith by like going inside of him and uh, exploding him violently. Well, also, yeah, and also before that, we have a literal resurrection. Right, that's right, because he dies, but he's resurrected by the power of love, hmm. which... Uh, he dies for all of our computer sins. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm talking about, Rob. <laughs> I deleted those uh, cookies. <laughs> uh yeah, no, and then uh, I, another thing, did they ever explain in the other movies why he can fly at the end of this movie, but not in the others? Like, I think he can jump more in the others or something, if I'm remembering correctly, and again, it's been a while, but hmm. I don't think he can fly like he does at the end of, at the very end. Like, it it doesn't seem like they were necessarily anticipating that they'd be making more of these. We're going to have to dial back some of those superpowers, you know? <laughs> It's sort of the opposite of Superman. He started, like, you know, just leaping tall buildings, and then he sort of expanded into flying. But with Neo, they had to cut him back. Cut him yeah, back. Yeah, he went back. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But that's the that's, Matrix. That's the Matrix. Yeah, okay. Well, we'll be back after this short break. I have some behind-the-scenes and some trivia for you. Don't log off. It's a computer thing. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome back to Rewatchability. We are talking about The Matrix in anticipation of Matrix Resurrections. It's a Christmas movie. I'm counting it. And <laughs> JM, I have some, uh, some trivia questions for you. Okay. I'll uh, do my best. Yeah, you know... You know, it's been a while since I've done one of these. I might be a little bit rusty. So uh, I'm going to start you off with like a low ball. Okay. So Carrie Ann Moss and Joey Pants reunited the next year in which feature film? Oh, well, this I know. Uh, They were both in uh, Memento. That's right. And apparently Carrie Ann Moss actually recommended Joey Pants for the role in Memento. So even though he's sleazy and totally creepy to her in the uh, fiction of this movie, he must actually be a pretty nice guy. They also worked together again in 1999 on this Canadian movie called New Blood, uh, which uh, I think featured John Hurt. Oh, yeah. So they did three in three in a three in two years. So. Sure, they became old pals, but yeah, uh, yeah Joey Pants. Yeah, he's, uh, he seems, seems like a good guy. Yeah, that's not uh, in movies though. He's no. creeping movies. If he shows up in a movie, you have to watch out. But uh, maybe <laughs> in real life, he's okay. Okay, so which other very head trippy movie does the Matrix recycle the sets of? Recycle the sets? Yeah, that's right. Oh wow! Head trippy movie. Yeah, I know. I know this isn't the answer, but uh, I was reminded of a movie that I think came out the year before, which we've talked about before, which is Dark City. You know what? You got it. What, really? Yeah. Oh, I guess yeah. Because they're were they both made in Australia? Probably. Well, I you know I was I wasn't even thinking. That that would be the right answer. I just meant like even just story wise. I was, yeah, there's a lot of parallels with the whole you know other existence that's happening. But wait, so what did they share? Because like Dark City took place in like a faux 1940s. Uh... I don't know. That's okay. I saw it on the internet. You know they don't give explanations. It might not even be true. I don't know. I have no way of sourcing this. I didn't do a fact check. Okay. I'm not the New York Her- Times. <laughs> Uh, perfect. Yeah, no, uh, uh, yeah, it's funny because, like, that, yeah, that just came out before, and it's also about, like, a guy who realizes that his reality is completely fabricated and kind of breaks out of that. And, and there are these kind of shadowy, uh, weirdos who are controlling everything that he has to try to get away from. I don't know. It's, I mean, they're different movies, obviously, but, like, they definitely have a, a similar vibe. For sure. And I feel like that was a big theme of, of things that were coming out in that time, like this other, you know, truer reality that was sort of behind, uh, you know, the surface. There was oh, yeah. a lot of that going on. You know, I almost recommended uh, that we do, <laughs> to celebrate the new Matrix movie, uh, that we do Existence. Oh, I love Existence. Yeah. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah, we, uh, we got to do Existence. Yeah, I, I love that movie too. But, so uh good. 
this one I, I i did want to watch this one again specifically because i i didn't remember so much of it but yeah you're right there was like there was definitely something in the air it was like virtua boy came out and everyone's like <laughs> reality could be a complete fabrication <laughs> everything's red and black <laughs> yeah uh okay uh okay this one's uh Okay, Gloria Foster, who plays the Oracle uh, in 1987, played the part of Medusa Johnson in which comedy movie? Holy shit. Yeah. What's the year? 1987. I, like, I didn't, I, I almost didn't put this trivia question on there because the star of this movie has had a pretty big fall from grace. Though I think this movie was also a pretty big fall from grace in terms of uh, quality. Is it is it a Cosby movie? It's a Cosby movie. Uh, uh, I don't know. Leonard Part Six. That's the one. You keep getting right. these. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I love looking up people's careers, especially like you know, um, older actors and actresses, especially people of color who like maybe haven't been like uh, featured or focused on in in ways that other actors have been. But um, this lady. Um, Gloria Foster mostly worked with Bill Cosby. So, um, yeah. I mean, not much of her career other than The Matrix is uh, is probably well, d- going to be, uh, you know, revisited very much. Wasn't she recast in the second one? Isn't there a different actress playing the Oracle? Oh, there might be. I didn't look it up. I, th- I th- have a vague memory of that. I but, think she uh, passed away shortly after uh, oh, this movie happened. So I think she died in... 2001 i'm not sure when they filmed the matrix oh she's really great i i love that scene too she is great uh, yeah uh yeah the whole thing with like the vase and yeah Mm -hmm. great performance much better than that annoying spoon kid i mean that kid just phoned it in i know it's become (laughs) an iconic movie scene but come on (laughs) that was the best kid they could find he he has like a slightly British accent, so I think that is going for him. Yeah, no, he's fine. I was just kidding. Uh, yeah, we didn't talk about that. The whole there is no spoon thing, but that there was, was a spoon. That was a big out. thing. I know. I saw it. Right, it was he was holding. It. <laughs> yeah, um, I have a fourth trivia question. Um, okay. See if you happen to know this one. What was Keanu Reeves' first film movie? Feature film. <laughs> film Feature movie. Film. <laughs> <laughs> Feature film performance. Oh, the, his first! Wow, yeah. uh, I should know this. Um, we went one. He went to a few different high schools in Toronto, but one of the high schools he went to was uh, the same as me. That was oh, across wow. the street from the theater where I saw The Matrix. Oh um, wow! Did any teacher sort of uh, look, you know, over and be like, "He used to come here. <laughs> we told him he'd never go anywhere." <laughs> then he just disappeared one day, and. Uh, because we live in the Matrix. Um, right. His first movie. I don't know. I mean, it's not a it's not a huge movie or anything. Um, it is a hockey drama starring oh. Rob Lowe and Patrick Swayze called Young Blood. Future, future. Um, you know, yeah, they became buddies. They became buddies, and yeah. uh, maybe a little bit more. You know, in their hearts. Well, that was that sounds familiar, but I've certainly never seen it. 
No, I don't think it was a big movie or anything like that. But uh, yeah, it sort of got him a start, and then he did The River's Edge, and then after that, it was all uh, it was all Keanu, you know. Yeah, you know, I've I've been hard on Keanu on this podcast before, talking about like Dracula and you stuff. You want to make because... some apologies? That that episode where you shit on Keanu was played on the CBC. I know. I felt bad about that. It was. I said. I and again because I also because I really like Keanu in general, but I made fun of his accent in Bram Stoker's Dracula, and that was broadcast all across the country. His his homeland. Yeah. And uh, I I am sorry for that. Yeah. It, but it he's is like. Ter- I it mean, is terrible though. He doesn't need. Accent. He doesn't need our apologies because like he's he's done it for himself. Like you know, at that point. When we made that episode, his career wasn't probably in a great place, and he's, like, really transformed it. I mean, he's really made of himself. Like, he's sort of found his, like, best form, it seems like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, he's great. And I do love especially the, you know, his performance in Bill and Ted. Because, I mean, he's just got such great comic timing. And you see that – you don't get to see that as often – as you know, he's called to do like dramas or action, action movies, but uh, but no, he's he's often great, sometimes terrible, and just a genuinely good person from the sounds of it. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, he is definitely having like a moment with the John Wick movies and uh, and the Matrix. And I just love that he's up for it, like you know, he another Bill and Ted, sure, another Matrix movie, of course, like yeah. he's he's game and uh. Yeah, uh, Keanu. Keanu. Yeah. Okay, so, I mean... And he made that movie, I I know I've talked about this before, but he made that movie about, like, uh, digital versus film. Right, yeah. I I saw that in his filmography, and I thought of of your impression of him interviewing David Lynch. Yeah, because David Lynch just always mentioned his name in in answers to his questions. He's like, well, Keanu. Yes! uh, (laughs) That's what I wanted. uh, Yeah. But no, I, yeah, I, I do like Keanu Reeves. I'm trying. To, what, what's your favorite of his performances? Can you think of one? I mean, probably Bill and Ted. Bill and Ted's amazing. But yeah. I also I do love in in like the almost oh, so bad. My own private good. Idaho. Yeah, that's a great movie. Yeah, yeah. But the Devil's Advocate. That's amazing. I love that movie. <laughs> okay, is it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, in like the so you know bad it's good sort of way. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I mean, he has like I, a southern I accent or something. Yeah, I, think. I don't think accents are his strength. I gotta say, no, no. But uh, yeah, kicking ass—it's more his thing. Yeah. So the Matrix—it sort of started its evolution as an idea for a comic book that the Wachowskis had, and you know they sort of wrote it up and, and sort of developed it into a film. They went through like 17 drafts of it, and uh, they eventually sort of got it uh, in front of Joel Silver, who they were writing uh, Assassins for, and he he didn't – they really wanted to direct the film themselves – um, and uh, he didn't think that they, you know, were proven or anything. So that is when they sort of wrote and directed Bound, uh, which was a sort of uh, minor success, and sort of like as a as a as a testing ground for the Matrix. And so, uh, which is they, a great movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and 
Yeah, and then they were able to sort of secure some funding for it. Apparently, there's a rumor. I don't know how much truth there is to it, but apparently they asked Warner Bros., who ended up financing the movie for $80 million, and they only got $10 million. So apparently the Wachowskis went and they blew the entire $10 million on the opening scene. And then they went to Warner Bros. and they were like, ah, and uh, they had to give them the rest of the money. <laughs> Wait, is that true? Yeah. I mean, I don't think that it went like, ah, it was more like, uh, yeah, we spent it. You're going to have to give us. I think it was more confident. But uh, I mean, I, I don't know. That that might be an apocryphal story. That sounds pretty It could be crazy. apocryphal. But I, you know, I mean, I think the spirit of it is maybe true. Um, it definitely seems that they went like, you know. And sort of like had to push for uh, a lot of the things that they wanted for this movie. I, I read a little bit about this movie in that 1999 uh, greatest movie year ever book. And mm-hmm. uh, I didn't get to read the whole thing, but I was flipping through it. And I did read one part that said when they asked for like the $60 million budget or whatever, they were reluctant. But part of the reason why Warner Brothers greenlit it or gave them the budget was because they they spent like way more than that on batman and robin and they're like well i mean batman did poorly so we might as well roll the dice on this thing that nobody knows about yeah um well yeah okay all right i'll i'll, I'll accept i mean it's 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 a i said it's a rumor i never i don't you know again not the new york times uh there was some crazy <laughs> okay. if, if i have to remind people i am not the gray old lady herself that's this is you are not listening. Call. You're not listening to Michael Barbaro right now. This is this is Rob Larone. Believe it or not, <laughs> though you could be excused for mistaking it with the level of professionalism. Um, okay, Michael but, Barbaro doesn't sleep on a <laughs> futon behind a Burger King. Come on, <laughs> hey, it's a Wendy's this week. <laughs> There were a lot of uh, alternate casting ideas for this movie. Um, I'm, the most famous one is Will Smith, who yeah. very famously turned down The Matrix for Wild Wild West, which was a bad move on his part. <laughs> <laughs> because Wild Wild West was a badly received movie, and The Matrix was The Matrix. Though, who knows whether it would have been The Matrix with with Will Smith, you know? I mean... If he doubt if he sees somebody using a jujitsu program and he's like, I got to get one of these. I mean, he's from. he does have like a lot of personality. Yeah, and and I think that is you know I think Keanu like does have like a certain. I mean, apart from the fact that he's like very handsome, like he you know having like less charisma works for like the ambiguity ambiguity of the story where you're not totally sure if this guy is like this prophesized savior or not so like i mean if you have will smith in there being will smith i mean he's got range obviously but yeah i don't know like he, he's just got so much charisma so much will smithness that i think you know the the hand would be tipped that he's going to be super <laughs> awesome at the end whereas with you know keanu is able to play it a bit more you're not totally sure if he's going to be uh, up for the job I just feel like Will Smith would demand, like, too many jokes. Like, I feel like he would come out of the Matrix and he'd be like, where are my, where are my threads, you know? <laughs> What's with this torn sweater? I, I got to get me to, like, the, uh, well, not the Gap, but somewhere else. Right. Yeah, I remember, like, when he did iRobot, like, and he has that very specific wardrobe that 
like he insisted on <laughs> like yeah. the, the like kind of toque thing he's wearing and like the sneakers and yeah, you might be right. Yeah. It, w- it might not be the same movie, but also Wild Wild West is <laughs> awful. Imagine Wild Wild West with uh Keanu Reeves. <laughs> <laughs> Different world. Um yeah. the Will Smith version would have teamed him up with not Lawrence Fishburne as Morpheus, but Val Kilmer. What? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, that's what they thought. Um but, I, I mean, uh, I like I like Val Kilmer. Um, don't get me wrong, but uh, would have been different. Um, well, I mean, there was some all there was some other like very different uh, choices as well. Like for example, I mean, for Neo, they thought Ewan McGregor, um, though he was busy doing a Star War. Uh, oh, yeah. Also, Johnny Depp, um, and for for Morpheus, they thought maybe Russell Crowe, or maybe Ooh. just maybe. Sean Connery. No. Yes. No, no, no. That's what it... I mean, again, I did not fact check this, but the IMDb has never, never led me astray. And let me just just confirm with... Just to get it on the record. Are you or are you not the New York Times? <laughs> no comment. Okay. Um, yeah. But they did eventually go with Keanu. Now, I mean, apparently... I mean, this movie was sort of, like, brutal on people. Like... Uh, first of all, Keanu, he had to have uh, cervical spine surgery before the movie started filming. So apparently throughout the whole movie, he couldn't really kick things. So they had to like change a lot of his choreography so it didn't involve a lot of cook- kicking. I mean, there is one scene where he like kicks Agent Smith or whatever through a wall. And then he like he sort of has to move his leg very slowly. I wonder if that's because of the surgery. Well, they should have just like when they were like uploading like the kung fu program they just could have been like oh i've i've i can't find the disc for kicking <laughs> we've misplaced the kicking we're just, we're just going to have to upload everything else but the kicking <laughs> i think cypher downloaded over that disc with internet porn <laughs> um yeah but also uh Carrie Ann Moss she uh, um I think she like twisted an ankle or something while doing uh while doing a scene and she sort of pretended that she wasn't injured because she was afraid that she would get recast. Oh, um sure. I, also I think Lawrence Fishburne got injured, but I I don't have the uh don't have the information about that. But yeah, basically like everybody got their ass kicked uh doing this film, but apparently we're willing to come back for more. So, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, and of course, also, yeah, out of this movie, sort of, it directly ties to the John Wick franchise, not just because of Keanu, and also Lawrence Fishburne, he shows up in the second and third John Wick movies, but of course, the John Wick movies were directed by the, um, by one of the stuntmen for right, The Matrix, yeah. Chad Stalsky, I think his uh, name is, and, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I mean, those movies, they sort of share, like, a DNA, you know, like they're the same, they have like the same sort of like, the same sort of like, um, I don't know, like they feel like the same in terms of like, you know, action, in terms of like stunts, in terms of um, almost like video game logic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're very, I mean, I feel like that's one of the reasons for like the John Wick franchise's success is like filling some of that Matrix void, you know, like we haven't had like one of those kick-ass action movies uh where like the people could actually fight uh in a long time 
Yeah, I will say uh, I don't love the guns in this movie. And I say that as someone that loves a lot of movies with guns, and I don't believe that movie violence inspires real violence necessarily. I'm, I'm not saying that this movie, you know, has a corrupting influence, but I do find it... Okay, one, I find it hard to watch just because it's like, first of all, it's like within the world of the movie, they're, they're like shooting just like people. Yeah. And like, I mean, they say earlier, like, you know, Morpheus is like, if if they're part of the system, you know, then they're who we're fighting against. Um, okay, sure. But uh, then on top of that, I, I can't help but feel like it's slightly boring in a way given like the story of the movie mm-hmm. in that like you know this whole thing is about like you know realizing that the construction of your world is is not real like it's a computer program like nothing is there and it's about like you know changing your perception of things so that you can uh you know uh not be bound by like the laws of physics bound. Yeah. No, but you know what I mean? It's like, it's a trippy idea, but it's like, but we're still fighting by like, you know, loading bullets into guns and like shooting each other. It's like, Mm. what? Why? Like, I don't even understand why like the agents who like work for the robots who control the the Matrix, like why, why are they shooting guns at this? Why do they physical forms at all? You know? Yeah. Can't they just like, I I don't know. Can't they fix this on the back end? Like rewrite some code and then... You know, bye bye Keanu. But I, I mean, like, I, I just like, I almost feel like the way they're they should be fighting should be like through some kind of like psychedelic, almost like yeah, sorcery or something. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it, it should move beyond like punching each other and shooting each other. And mm-hmm. then on top of that, there was yeah, and uh, you know, I think the music is really good in this movie like i love the sort of main like just swelling brass Mm -hmm. theme that you know plays all throughout it but then like the scene where you know the real like shoot 'em up scene where they go into rescue morpheus just has like the cheesiest like (laughs) and it's the whole thing with the generic tech and the sunglasses and the leather it's just trying to make like you know just mowing people down with machine guns look as cool as possible yeah and yeah it's hard to look back at that and think that it's as awesome as it maybe seemed to you know 15 year old kids at the time i i totally agree and yeah i mean i i do have a a problem with like ultra violence on on the screen like yeah i don't think that it will make anybody go out and and cause violence themselves but i don't know i don't think it's like good you know i think that uh i and in this movie like i don't think that the logic that allows them to sort of treat these like the oppositional forces as like video game characters really really makes sense you know they're just sort of like yeah i mean yeah, it's just sort like... of an excuse to do to kill some stuff you know yeah um yeah and they also don't show like like it's not a bloody movie so like there's this huge high body count but you don't really see any of the uh yeah, like damn. Uh, yeah, any of the like physical consequences, you know. Yeah, which is, which is just like you know allows, you know, I maybe you know, I kind of wish you know they'd shown that conflict. Like if you actually showed like how grisly it is to like mow down these people, like 
maybe Neo would have like some more some inner conflict about you know just shooting these like a security guard who's 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 just yeah. a guy in a pod. He has a wife and a kid in a pod <laughs> in a pod somewhere. I don't so, know. Yeah, so that that part was a little uh, yeah hard to take. Now yeah. maybe I'm just getting old. Mm. I mean, yeah, I mean the. The philosophy of this movie is really interesting. And obviously, like I mentioned, um, it's been written about in by academics a hell of a lot. And uh, but you know, the movie itself is based off a lot of philosophy as well. In fact, the Wachowskis apparently made all of the all of the main characters sort of agree to not only read but understand Baudrillard, uh, in particular his uh, famous work. Uh, simulation and simulacra. Oh right! I don't know if you know that old classic. Yeah, that's what, that's where I keep all my <laughs> mini disc. Right, that's things. right. Yeah. That's the that's the book that Keanu uh, keeps this thing in. Um, yeah, and there's a whole bunch of references to Baudrillard in the movie, and I, even in like an earlier draft, Ma- Morpheus c- right out and says Baudrillard in the uh, in the movie, and the whole the desert of the real. That uh, that thing that Morpheus says when uh, he brings um, right—that's a phrase from Baudrillard. So I, I, I thought it was sort of interesting. And you know, last week you guys had like a lot of academic sort of uh, uh, exploration on the podcast. So I I wanted to like you know go down that vein a little as well. So I found I found a YouTube video. <laughs> um, there was a guy who uh, did a video that was. Uh, about Baudrillard's reaction to the Matrix, because here's this big movie that is, you know, basically built on Baudrillard's uh, theories of like the hyper real and simulation and all of that stuff. But Baudrillard, not a Matrix fan, he didn't dig it. And yeah, okay, <laughs> philosophers, they're kind of old and stuffy, and they probably don't watch a lot of movies, but when they tracked him down and asked him about it, he says, yeah, like, you know, it doesn't really do the things that I talk about in the theories. And in fact, the movies that have, there are movies that have done it and have done it so much better. Movies like The Truman Show um, and uh, what was the other one? Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> MTV. The other, well, one of them was uh, was da- was Mulholland Drive as well. Um, so oh. I thought that was really interesting. Um, and yeah, like those are also movies that sort of talk about like you know what it is you know to sort of uh, become uh, sort of embedded in a simulation and the sort of the confusion that sort of uh, goes with it. And I guess the Baudrillard's criticism with this movie isn't really about the confusion of living in like the modern reality because. Neo, he he's living in the dream world or whatever in his reality, and then he's sort of woken up and sort of realizes that he's in a simulation. But there's no confusion about that simulation, which is like what Baudrillard thinks the modern condition is like, because, you know, we watch TV, we watch these actors doing things, and all like the simulation and reality sort of collapse into each other. And uh, it becomes hard to distinguish one from the other. So in this movie, like Keanu, he is told that he's living in a simulation. He agrees to sort of come out of the simulation. And then there's no more sort of exploration of like, 
whether there's any lingering effects between like having lived in the simulation for all of his life and then mm. being stuck in the real, real world. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. Um, the video is called What Baudrillard Thought of the Matrix, um, and it's on YouTube. Um, yeah, like did Neo good... ever wonder if, if that was a simulation as well? Well, I wonder maybe this is what... I mean, I haven't seen the trailer for the new Matrix movie. And I, I think, unlike you, I don't really know if I understand, like, the reasoning behind it. And, yeah, I mean, this movie is being directed by one of the Wachowski sisters. It's being done by Lana. But Lily Wachowski, she decided not to be involved. And she sort of said that after transitioning and after her parents dying, she doesn't feel the need to sort of, like, go back into those stories and uh, to, to film subtext in that sort of way. Um, the way that the sort of Matrix did. But on the other hand, Lana Wachowski says that she felt she felt sort of invigorated or she felt inspired by those sort of same things to sort of re-explore the world. So I wonder if maybe like the new movie will explore more of that, like uh, the tension between the real and the simulation. Because all, the other thing that I saw, um, and I, again, I didn't actually see the trailer, as I saw that Carrie Ann Moss's character is billed as Trinity slash Tiffany. Tiffany. Oh. <laughs> so okay. what does that mean? I mean, are they like living in the simulation? Like what has happened after the end of uh, the last Matrix movie where all of a sudden they have to like question reality again? We're seeing well, like think the blue th- yeah. pill, red pill thing. I I think I've heard it takes some some big swings. It's also one of the co-writers, I think, is uh, David Mitchell. Yeah, the wrote, Cloud Atlas The guy. book Cloud Atlas. And who I've, uh, I never read Cloud Atlas, but I've read some other books that he wrote. And I think he's a really terrific writer. And I think he worked with them on Sense8 as well. Right. So I'm excited to see what he brings to the storytelling as well. For sure. Um, one thing I did want to mention is uh, there have been uh, stories about, or allegations is too strong a word, but people have pointed out that there are a lot of similarities between The Matrix and the comic The Invisibles by Grant Morrison. I don't know, which I hadn't read at the time, but I've since read. It's one of my friend's favorite comics. And yeah, there are definitely a lot of similarities. This Um, guy's name is Eno? That's just like Neo. (laughs) <laughs> no, I mean, it's it's not exactly the same. Like, it's not about a matrix, but it is about, like, there are these kind of, like, agents who are, like, you know, policing this kind of, like, uh, you know, these these kind of, is more of, like, kind of punk than, like, this sort of, right. like, techno-noir thing that the matrix has going. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's about, like, policing these rebels who are, like, you know, have kind of, like, figured out the, like, art- artificialities of of the world and how it's kind of like controlled by these like creatures. Yeah, mm. it's, it's great. And, but there, there are some, uh, are some similarities. Apparently uh, there are rumors that like they were passing around copies of the book on set or mm. for kind of reference. And, uh, and I did read, I don't know if this is true again, not the New York times, not, not the times, but uh, Grant Morrison said something to the effect of when he saw the, the sequels he said they should have kept stealing from me (laughs) Um, damn burn which is is real burn but uh but i again i'm excited for the new one um i think i am i think i'll watch it oh and one thing we didn't talk about was that uh people did say you know in recent years people did look back at this movie and speculate was it 
an allegory for like the trans experience, for, right? Like, you know, being awakened to your true self when you were, uh, you know, being restricted. There's a few things that definitely jump out. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I think that's, you know, I, it's, it's a fine line to walk because you don't want to like be reductive and say like, mm-hmm. oh, because the creators were were trans that necessarily like, you know, they don't have a, a broader, uh, you know, point to make about society that we have to, you know, view the story through this narrow lens. But uh, I think it was Li- Lily who uh, said in an interview not that long ago that, uh, that yes, they very much see it as, uh, as a metaphor for, for being trans. And, and they said they even, I think she said they even put like, like the name switch in there. Yeah. as kind of like a, uh, that character was in earlier drafts in the in the real world it was supposed to be a woman and then in the matrix uh it would be played by a man. So, oh okay, that's interesting. Yeah, so I mean I mean that seems like a pretty uh obvious sort of uh nod to that. And there's yeah, also yeah. there's also a line there's there's a line where somebody says something like there's some sort of like I can't remember. Anyway, but uh yeah, I mean I, I, I definitely think that it's there. Um yeah, I you know, it's not like the whole movie. There's so much with like I think it's a really rich movie. I mean, like, yeah, like they were reading philosophy, they were um it's a movie that like spoke to a lot of like that particular moment where like we were creating these new identities which were comprised of like digital uh digital names and digital avatars and all of that sort of stuff i mean it, part of the reason for its success is just that it resonates in all of these different ways yeah yeah you're right i mean we all kind of like live in the matrix with social media Exactly. The only way to get out, pick up a landline from time to time. <laughs> call put, your grandma. Put down your smartphone, call your grandma on a landline. Uh yeah, no, I yeah, it's it's uh it's an interesting movie. I think there is like like you said there are some, you know, kind of like cringy or embarrassing things about it. Like some of the styles are very dated, some of the dialogue is a little silly. But I think what makes it work and why I do like so many of the Wachowski stuff is that it's so earnest, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like it's, and it's even like, like it feels like it was made by, by young people. Like, you know what I mean? Like it, it almost like, I mean, I, you're in a way you're glad it wasn't made by someone who was a little more self-conscious about, you know, like looking silly. It's, it feels like, you know, like, young people who read a bunch of philosophy and, you know, you know, had, you know, <laughs> kind of dorm room conversations about the nature of reality and like wanted to put that in a movie and they just, and there's no, uh, you know, winking about it or, you know, like there's one, <laughs> there's one line early on where like one of the characters uh, says to Keanu Reeves, like it's, it's my way or the highway, which is like <laughs> a silly old fashioned line. But it's delivered with such sincerity that uh, you know you have to go along with it. Yeah, I remember. Uh, I remember that line. Yeah, and it worked. Yeah, it totally works because because everyone is just uh, believing in it, and they don't uh, pull any kind of like ironic 
self-deprecating punches. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, well, let's let's give our final sort of assessment. Jam, what did you think of The Matrix? Yeah, I mean, it's totally rewatchable uh, because it's the friggin' Matrix. Right. And uh, I mean, yeah, it's it's not my favorite movie. It's even when it was like a lot of people's favorite movie, it was not my favorite movie, but it's, it's so well told and it, the way it's kind of, uh, blew up at the time, it's hard to overstate that impact it had. Like, yeah, it was just everywhere. I mean, yeah, it was, it was nuts. Um, but like we said earlier, that kind of, fizzled out like they couldn't sustain i mean i clearly i don't think it was meant to sustain like you know a trilogy or a franchise but uh yeah i mean i i really enjoyed going back to it i'm very curious to see the next few installments and see how they hold up um but yeah i mean there's there's a lot there it's uh you know for, and and for better or for worse there's some parts i i truly do not like at all uh but i think most of it is uh and also just technically like they were doing things i mean like the bullet time thing is like a cliche now and it was like we said immediately became mm-hmm. like a pulp culture kind of touchstone and punchline and all of that uh but like it was really cool at the time like i remember having the vhs tape and at the end of the tape there was like a special feature like they sometimes did that where there's like a making of thing after the movie and it like showed you how they did the bullet time which was you know it's pretty revolutionary yeah but it was also like it was very like you know and by the time like the sequel came out, like they were doing so much with CGI that like you know whole characters were being CGI. But at the, at that time when they did the bullet time thing, it was just I guess it was on a green screen, but it was like Keanu on a wire, and then they set up like you know five hundred or however many. It was like an uh, Edward Moybridge thing. Yeah, totally. You're absolutely right. Like they basically created like a an animation out of these cameras on this like slope that formed the camera movement. Like it was really cool stuff. Like, and I remember that being like a really exciting thing to learn about at the time. And, uh, and you have to admire it and think of all the movies that like, even you go see an action movie. Now the way the camera moves feels like the matrix. Like, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's rewatchable for sure. What about you? Yeah. I mean, I like I said, I mean, I had a bad reaction to this movie when it came out. And uh, I mean, it's pretty obvious that like, yeah, I mean, it's a good movie. It does so much. Uh, yeah, it, it it was a little bit like everywhere at the moment uh, or at the time. I'm glad that uh, we've all gotten a little bit of time to sort of settle down uh, with it. But I think it is like a really it is a really good movie. Um, and it's fun to watch for the most part. It has like lots of like, yeah, really cool ideas. It really, it really synthesizes a lot of like what 1999 was about in terms of like filmmaking and media and all of that stuff. I have to say some of the compositing doesn't look so great anymore. And, uh, I also wonder, like, I hate the green tint on all of the scenes that are in the matrix. I just hate it. It, uh, it's bad. And, uh... Yeah. 
But, um, you know, I mean, obviously, like, it's an artistic choice that they're making, um, which I think works for a lot of people. But, uh, and that also, like, it became the start of, I think, tinting everything uh, in, like, a weird color, you know? Yeah, I'm trying to think what, yeah, because so many movies after that had that, like, green or blue kind of tint on Mm -hmm. everything. But, uh, But, I mean, I think in this, like, it's definitely trying to, make a point is trying to like but make, again those monitors nobody had those green nobody used that color green that's not <laughs> i mean i had a tandy color computer three that had that green but that was from 1984 you know like uh okay but yeah it's a great movie it's good uh i'm sure that the new one's going to be pretty interesting so All that's right. the matrix sure uh, is yeah and uh you know that's rewatchability and we'll be back soon and uh until then you can find us on apple Podcasts. you can uh, give the podcast a review and rate us and uh everything there we're also on all those other podcast places spotify stitcher if people are still using that if you want to get in touch with us it's rewatchability at gmail.com or you can go to rewatchability.com leave a speak pipe thing and uh i think that's it is there anything else uh, I just want to say uh, happy holidays yeah. to everyone and uh, and hope everyone's having a, a safe holiday and a happy new year mm-hmm. and celebrating the birth of Neo. <laughs> he, he was, he, you know, they tried to find a, uh, a, a pod for him, but they only found a, uh, the stable equivalent of a pod. <laughs> <laughs> 